Healing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. We've been asked about where we came from, what we're doing, autobiography, and we want to uh, get to know you and let you know us as well. So, kind of give you a brief description of my testimony and my wife and how uh, the ministry came about. Uh, basically, I didn't come into God until I was 27 years old. Uh, going through college, university, uh, there in the world, uh, in pre-dental, and uh, then changed the major uh, to uh, major in chemistry, mind and biology, uh, not really knowing what it was called to do and whatever. Played professional uh, as a professional musician for years. Uh, with some bands, uh, traveling not only in L.A., but uh, uh, throughout the United States, and uh, then worked in the insurance business. But then, when I was 27 years old, I uh, had two children, and my wife said, it's time for us to go to church. We have two young children, and uh, five and two years old at that time, and we need to go to church. So uh, we went to a local Baptist church in uh, Spring Hill, Texas, a little suburb of Longview, Texas. And while there, I felt the tug on the heart and walked the aisle, not knowing my right hand from the left, but said the sinner's prayer, joined the church, an independent Baptist church, and was baptized by the Son, Holy Ghost. Well, then, a short period of time, they found out I played uh, the keyboard and uh, piano and organ. And I played professionally with a B3 Hammond uh, there, and uh, uh, not only in the Texas area, but also uh, going up to Tennessee, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, studio jobs, whatever the case is, uh, but uh, playing there in the church. They liked the uh, they liked the music there, so I began playing there in the church, and of course I was accused of sounding uh, too Pentecostal back then in a Baptist church. Uh, there was no drums; it was just a piano and an organ, and that was it. Uh, and of course, playing the organ in the church uh, from that uh, from that time. This is 1975. I played there for a year. And then in 1976, while I'm working in the insurance business, uh, one of my agents, I was uh, running a small agency, and I had five agents working for me uh, there in a general agency, gave me a book on 10 reasons why Christians should speak in tongues. Well, I didn't know anything about tongues and this uh, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I read it, and uh, it was biblical and therefore started seeking God for the Holy Ghost. And while, uh, uh, while driving down the road seeking the Lord, uh, I felt the Holy Ghost come upon me, and uh, desiring it, I began to speak in other tongues. Immediately, I went to my deacon's house, an older man uh, that was in his latter 70s, and said, uh, do you speak in tongues? And the elder told me, the deacon told me, uh, why? Why are you asking me this? 
I said, because I just spake in tongues. I had been seeking this for two months. And he said, yes, I do have a prayer language. However, you don't say this in a Baptist church because if you do, in the particular church we're in, you will be asked to leave because we had a board meeting and voted it out. Well, it didn't make sense to me. So playing the organ, I started helping various ministers, and there was a couple of tent revivals that came to Longview, Texas, uh, there, which was between Dallas and Shreveport, Louisiana, and Dallas, Texas, uh, about right there in the middle. And I helped a couple of ministers that were tent, tent preachers uh, there on the organ. And I saw them speaking in tongues, and uh, of course I had been uh, filled with the Holy Ghost, but they were laying hands on and shouting and totally uh, a praise that I was not used to. So the evangelist there told me uh, there after the service, I was playing the organ, I couldn't leave. Uh, he said, you have a lot of questions, let's, let's uh, go talk after the service. We did all night long. And he promised me, he said, you see it in the word of God, it's still there. So uh, at that time, I thought I was to play organ or to provide music uh, there for the Lord Jesus Christ and whatever various uh, means or ways I could do that. So I met another preacher uh, at that time. And I hear again, again, I'm only at that time a newborn Christian uh, that has been baptized, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, saying the sinner's prayer and uh, receiving the Holy Ghost. Only about a month. And uh, there was a, a minister coming through that needed an organ player and to front his tent ministry, a good man of God. However, he was not Trinity. Uh, he was uh, oneness, a Jesus-only preacher and uh, I joined up with him uh, he said I'll pay you and uh, you play the organ for me he set up a tent and a little small tent 40 by 80 and uh, we'll go through the different areas and you front and play the organ and uh, just be my tent man and uh, handle, handle the music which uh, I agreed to do so singing and playing the organ and uh, putting up a tent there for two years. I heard a message there that uh, another preacher preached there and under the tent giving a testimony that if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you'll bust hell wide open. Well, this was in uh, Mississippi and uh, Columbia, Mississippi, one of the, the first revivals, tent revivals I had with this this tent evangelist, and I thought, oh, my God, I, I was playing the organ there, and it was so profound, uh, the Spirit of God knocked me off the organ bench. It was that strong. So I'd never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, didn't know anything about it, but I knew I had to do it, Acts 2.38. So at 1.15 a.m. in the morning, I followed the evangelist to his motel room, and I had a separate motel room, and I said, I'm not leaving till you baptize me in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, he said, I see you're not leaving until I do baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. So let's hop into the truck, and I'll take you to a river. And this is 1 o'clock in the morning. 
and I'll baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. So that's what we did. And at 1.15 a.m. in the morning, uh, there I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Shortly thereafter, uh, I was with this evangelist, uh, a good man of God, for two years. But then there was some financial crisis. Uh, he, uh, he owned tire stores. And uh, at that point, couldn't keep going on with the ministry. And, of course, I had been traveling and uh, fronting for him for those two years. And he said, uh, can't do it anymore. He sold the tent and the chairs and the truck that he, uh, that he had. And so I left that ministry and uh, did not know where to go, what to do at that point. So my wife, who had never worked before, uh, went to work to pay the bills. And I felt at that point I had had several prophecies uh, that I was called to preach, which I did not receive. But then one night coming back from a meeting, uh, their car broke down in the road and the Lord spoke to me uh, there in the word of God in Mark six uh, there. He was sent them out two by two. I knew then that I was called. Then I had several uh, prophets uh, shortly after that, also confirming that what the Lord had spoke uh, spoken to me. So I knew, well, this is very serious. I have to uh, make way for the ministry. Well, uh, I thought no better way to do it. And I'd go to seminary and the Lord said, no, I want you to start, sit down and read the word of God, seek me. And uh, then uh, when you have read the word of God through and I've dealt with you, then you will go. So for the next three years, now I know that sounds a little crazy. For the next three years, my wife went to work and paid the bills. And all I did was sit at the house with two children and uh, read the Word of God from the time I got up uh, to the time at night when my eyes would fail, uh, late at night, and go back to bed and did this day in and day out for three years, uh, 1977, 78, 79. And uh, there, uh, at that time, uh, seeking the Lord, I felt it was time, time to go preach. And a lot of things happened during the time and uh, the revelation and whatever that uh, reading out of the word of God and seeking him and uh, not not any Internet, but did have a strong concordance along with King JV, a King James Version Bible uh, there at that time uh, saw things that uh, did not line up with what we see in traditional Pentecost or traditional Protestant uh, religion. So I uh, went to talk to several different preachers, and there were other men of God that were much older and than I was at that time, uh, some of them in their, in their early 80s, uh, that were real men of God that had preached the Word of God in this Jesus name, baptism, one God that helped me along. And uh, I thought, well, I'm ready to go preach. I will go at this time and just start going from church to church and evangelize. But then the Lord set up and go to work. Provide for yourselves uh, uh, treasures in the heavens where moth and rust did not uh, corrupt and thieves did not break through and steal. Sold out everything I had. And uh, uh, it's kind of a sold, a sold out doctrine marked uh, in Luke 12. Uh, that seems a little radical to some people, but 
uh, commandment of the Lord, which we did and we obeyed. That was rough on the family. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we had some hard times, and there were times that uh, we only ate simply because uh, someone stopped and helped the ministry and gave me a, a money for food, and we're not even in the ministry, not even in God. Uh, the Lord made a way, though. So I thought at that time I was ready to preach. Uh, we paid a price. And then in 1980, uh, coming into 1981, uh, the Lord set up and go to work. Work. said, I'm ready to preach. I thought I was ready to preach. And he says, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of, mammon of unrighteousness in the days that you fail. They'll receive you into everlasting habitations. If you haven't been faithful of that, which is another man's, how will God commit to your trust the true riches? Well, that was totally all directly opposite than what I thought the will of God was for me personally at that time. But I knew that I was supposed to go back to work. Well, at that time, I had sold out, and I only had, after I paid the bills off, $600. Now, this is back in uh, 19... 76 uh, there, and I gave $600 to this pastor, uh, this minister, and uh, uh, that time we had sold out. Now, not very much money, uh, certainly not, not a formidable amount, but at any rate, we had sold out. Um, at that time, uh, then in 81, uh, thought I was ready to preach, and the Lord said, uh, there, go back to work. So I went back into the insurance business. That's the only business I knew. I had an insurance license and uh, started working there in an agency. And the next thing I knew, uh, it went nationwide. And uh, in that nationwide uh, company uh, there that uh, uh, was funding uh, the agency uh, projects, I recruited over 500 agents in less than six months' time in a seven-state area. Uh, made uh, money at that time that I thought never could imagine that I've made that kind of money. And, uh, but it, it taught me uh, in the business world and running 500 agents at that time in seven states, it was a learning process. This happened in 81, 82, 83, and half of 84, three and a half years. Half of 84, the Lord pulled me out and said, now go preach. Well, it had been three and a half years there in the, in the workforce as a general agent in an agency. And at that time, so uh, here we again. We sold out again. And uh, uh, my wife uh, moved her into the house uh, there because uh, the children were still in school. She did not want them to go to homeschool, wanted to stay in school. So at that point in 1984, I moved into uh, a house uh, there uh, in Greenville, Texas, my wife still working, and I went full-time ministry, and uh, for the next three years, I uh, was traveling away from my wife, evangelizing back and forth in uh, basically Texas, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi a little bit, and Alabama, uh, a little bit in Oklahoma, uh, but basically there in those southern states. Well, in 1988, after three years of the three and a half years of it, my wife said, okay, I want to go with you. Uh, we'll put the children in homeschooling and the accelerated Christian education, and we'll go with you. 
So we did travel trailers. Then we stayed on the field from 88 to uh, 95 where we moved to Houston, Texas. But with the field there, still just uh, traveling in a travel trailer uh, with a van, uh, got a, another travel trailer uh, for my son and uh, daughter and made a long story short, we traveled and uh, we were literally uh, bankrupt. We were we had used all of our funds I'd preached uh, and we were at the point in 1989. Uh, we were literally bankrupt. We uh, did not have any money for gasoline, was traveling on the road, uh, two travel trailers, uh, two vans, uh, could not go any further. So at that point, I thought, well, this is it. Uh, I must quit the evangelistic field, uh, go back to work, but this is not for me. At that time, uh, I asked a, uh, a lady that owned a travel trailer park in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where we had been preaching going through there, if we could uh, put our travel trailers in that uh, trailer park where she owned and that I would get a job and pay her. And she agreed, a nice Baptist lady. And uh, we stayed in that uh, park. And at that time, I said, Lord, I'm through. I can't go any further. We're, we're broke. And I can't see my children starving, my wife going through this. And at that time, in October of 89, uh, they're giving up. At the hit the very bottom, the Lord appeared to me. The Lord Jesus Christ appeared to me in a travel trailer at about 4 o'clock in the morning and uh, uh, said at that time, uh, he put me in a dream, and he would uncover the cedar work. He will uncover the cedar work is what he spoke. I didn't know what cedar work was, had no idea what the Lord was talking about, but seeing him, the only four feet from me in, the, in this vision, uh, the Lord spoke, uh, I will uncover the cedar work. Um, at that time, he put me in a dream. And uh, I was seeing him just as well as I can look and see a person today in an open vision. and uh, Or a trance, some may call it. But uh, they're looking at him. He, he put me in a dream while I'm looking at him. And in this dream, it was uh, literally passing over, uh, going from one part of a city and to the other part, passing over uh, there from one state to another state of glory. And it was very radical. It was a time of warfare. I saw people being killed. It was very gut-wrenching, to say the least. But then when we got over, uh, basically, I was watching a man uh, that was six foot six, uh, and a soldier, uh, a soldier of the cross. And he was leading a lady uh, that had a veil on, uh, I'm assuming was his bride. And he was pulling her, and she had a white wedding dress on with a veil. And basically, he pulled her from one part of that city, passing over to the other part of the city through a wartime. And at that time, he got her to the other side of the city and entered into a house. The house there where he entered in, he shut the door. And when the man with the lady opened that door and came into the house, there was a picnic table there. On the picnic table, there were four 
men playing cards, uh, very lackadaisical, uh, laughing, uh, eating and drinking and making merry, uh, playing cards. And over at the sink, uh, the kitchen to the right at a sink, there were two men. Uh, one was making uh, burgers or sandwiches or something. He was making some food. And uh, uh, two of them over there. And the man that had led this woman into this house all across the city in her long wedding dress and veil, beautiful woman, said, we must go up. And they laughed at him. And they said, up! what are you talking about? And they were laughing. Come on in. Sit down. Eat, drink, and be merry. The man the soldier looked at him again and said, we must go up. Did it the second time. Well, they were really laughing at this time. The four men at the table and the two men over there preparing sandwiches or in the kitchen. Laughing, hysterically laughing. Eat, drink, and be merry. Nobody will bother us. Just sit down and eat, drink, and be merry with us. The soldier said it one more time. We must go up. And he pointed up. And at that point, they kept laughing and scorning him. And he took the woman, this bride, by her hand. And they started going up a spiral staircase in a triangular building. And it went up to the, from the first floor, went up to the second floor. And it's going up and a an equilateral triangle. And as he's going up to the apex, to the top, he goes from the second floor in this staircase and keeps going all the way up to the top floor in a triangular shape that was seven cubits high, seven cubits wide, and seven cubits long. Seven by seven by seven. And there was in there a cedar, a cedar chest. And this cedar chest Uh, When he shut the door, he came into that room, shut the door. He's at the third level, not the first, not the second, but the third level. And at that point, he, the soldier, looks at the cedar chest and starts with his bare hand taking wood on the front of that cedar chest and pulling it off and throwing it down. Never seen anything like it. And when he was pulling the wood off, there became a J. And he did it again, and there was an E. And I said, well, I know where this is going. It's going to be Jesus. S-U-S. When Jesus was revealed in this cedar chest, this cedar box, this cedar work, then, only then, he took the lid, opened it, and pulled out a crown. And as as he was going to pull up the, the lid, He pulled the veil back on the woman, opened the lid, pulled out a huge crown, a crown that was, had every kind of diamonds, ligures, amethyst stones, uh, every kind of costly jewel that you could possibly think of. Never seen anything like it. The brightness was um, just dazzling. And he lifted it up and put it on the woman's head. When he put it on the woman's head, 
the top of the apex open and we went out into light and it was only when Jesus was revealed in that cedar chest that he put the crown on the woman I had no idea what that meant we went into the the woman and the man disappeared into the light and the light you could bathe in it was you could feel it uh, you could you bask in it it was just a glorious light of glory and it was like God, God I don't want to come out of this and I was in there for it seemed like a long time I for hours and thinking well I'm never coming out this is wonderful the the glory the the peace was passing all understanding it was just it was wonderful but then all of a sudden just like that I found myself back looking at the first floor with the four men and two men at the side of the kitchen, four men at the picnic table on the first floor. And immediately the door was kicked in by an army and they went in with guns. These men broke in and shot them with guns and then shot the other two over there in the kitchen. All of them were dead. And I'm going, oh my God, what is going on? And they looked around in the room to make sure they had killed everyone. And this gang left. Well, that army left. Well, they were all dead. And it was very, uh, it, it, it was, again, it was gut-wrenching. Um, and at that point, uh, very dramatic, that their guts were laying out. Hit. It was terrible. And I'm thinking, Lord, what is this? And I, I, it was there for quite a while just to seeing them destroyed. And all of a sudden, one of the men on the table, where the picnic table was, moved. He had a gun in his hand, but he moved. And I said, oh, maybe the Lord's resurrecting him. And he began to move. And the one over there by the sink, that man that was preparing uh, the food, he moved and lifted up off of the sink and thinking, oh, the Lord's resurrecting them. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, praise God, maybe there's, there's hope. And the man with the gun at the picnic table pointed the gun at the one at the sink and shot and shot him in the head. Then I'm going, oh, no, no. Then he turned the gun on himself and shot himself in the head. And immediately I looked back up and there was the Lord Jesus looking at me. And I will uncover the cedar work. That's all I knew. Then he broke over my left shoulder and said, I'll see you again. Now I had at this point, that was a radical uh, vision. I'd never seen the Lord. Uh, this is October of 89. At that time, I told my wife, I can't quit. Uh, we're starving. I've, I've, I've had to push the travel trailers in uh, to this lady's uh, travel trailer park because we didn't even have gasoline and uh, we had uh, given our tools away for, for our tanks of gasoline to get as far as we did we were totally completely broke uh, no money whatsoever uh, just completely wasted and at that point he gave us the, he gave me the dream I knew I had to keep going so I went to a uh, a man that sold insurance said, well, will you let me sell insurance with you uh, for a time? I need to pay my bills. 
that I'm going back to preach. And he said, okay. So I went out to New Orleans, so little insurance, got paid the, uh, the lady there in less than two months, all that we owed her. We left there, kept on the field. Now that's in October of 89. Then we started preaching the different churches, uh, revivals, still tough. It was very tough going, living in travel trailers, uh, parking at the churches. And this we did until 1995. At that point, uh, we decided, well, uh, felt a call maybe to go to Houston. Uh, not sure, but uh, had several words of prophecy. The door was open there. So we went to Houston and uh, there uh, moved into a place on, uh, uh, on, on High Street there in Houston, Texas. Uh, started church at work and whatever. And uh, the, the people there in the church were working paying her bills, and uh, uh, they're about the uncovering the cedar work. It started a total new phase, a new type of glory, higher than Pentecost, and we didn't understand what uncovering the cedar work meant, but it started a new thing, and we started preaching perfection uh, there, that the body of Christ will be perfected before he comes the second time. Very hard on my wife and my children and my family. But we stuck it out simply as soldiers of the cross, enduring hardship as a good soldier. That's what we're called to do. So many churches there received it. Some didn't. We got kicked out. Uh, this perfection uh, there was something that uh, they didn't believe was attainable. And so, uh, but many received it. Others didn't. So at that point, uh, then uh, the team the DVM, Dennis Ministry, doing an outreach. Uh, got a few souls here and there that joined up. Uh, some stayed with us, some left over the years. But basically, we've been uh, going uh, there to Africa since 2012, still carrying on this perfection gospel, uncovering the seed of work, Zephaniah 2, the perfecting of the saints, whether they work of the ministry, edifying of itself in love, uh, to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. Uh, that is what we've been preaching now. And we had been going to Africa since 2012, uh, Ghana and Kenya, and then we had many as nine different nations over there, and the Word of God being received greatly, uh, spending a lot that we had in fundraising there, literally over a million and a half that uh, uh, had been raised for the ministry and using... Uh, as much of that possibly as we can for the ministers and literally having over a thousand ministers now in Africa uh, there for the work of the ministry and coming out of a Trinitarian doctrine to a Jesus only doctrine, seeing the true Jesus, how that God himself made himself of no reputation uh, in order to take on him the form of a servant, how God works salvation in and of himself alone was greatly received and, uh, and some of the bishops having eight to 10 churches came out, changed all their churches from a Trinity doctrine to a Jesus only doctrine, having seen the truth and uh, rejoicing in it. And we were thanking God for that and giving God the glory, the praise. And then on the 19th of January, 2019, preaching in Transmara, Kenya, Africa, coming out of a Maasai tribal church, wonderful people. Uh, there coming out of the church and after uh, having no sleep for a couple of nights uh, going back to the vehicle 
the Holy Ghost hit, hit me very, very hard. And to the point I couldn't even hardly walk. And this went on for about two hours. And we saw visions there of the nations, etc. cetera. Uh, but the Lord spoke. And the Lord, what is this? And the Lord said, seal my people by my word. As I am sending the angel from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. Well, here again, another visitation. But now deeper, that at the, the Revelation 7, sealing of the servants of God in their forehead, a very profound statement, a command from the Lord, that this is the season that we're in. That apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7 there, in 2019, therefore, of course, the coronavirus hit, therefore, we're going to do the will of God. Planning to go back again, but the coronavirus hit. And... Uh, course at that time it greatly affected our offerings our donations uh therefore the ministry became very uh almost nil and becoming to a financial crisis and so we started doing podcasts in our homes couldn't travel and so we've been doing that for a, about a year now so now we're bringing it to you uh want to let you know what has happened to us we reach out to you uh, there want to meet you. Uh, it's been a long journey, some hard, but it's always been glorious. The Lord Jesus has always been good, always for his word, lifting it up. So now we want to meet you. We want to meet you. And this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ for the work of the ministry being preached into all the world, this gospel of the kingdom, that will be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. We know that we're in the last of the last days. If you feel the Holy Ghost and a witness to this, the Spirit beareth witness with your spirit, we would like to meet you. Contact us, and we would like to come and meet you, sit down with you, show, her, show you our vision, and let you take a part in it. Uh, there for the souls that is opened. The souls there for the kingdom of God open in Africa, India. We've never had an influx of soul. Nepal, Pakistan, Australia, New Zealand that we've had right now. People listening to the podcast, uh, downloading the app, uh, Sealing God's People. And we want to invite you to do the same. Uh, the app, our own app, Sealing God's People, uh, with me, your host, Dennis Beard. And you'll see uh, and feel this word that God is moving on his people now uh, for the work of the ministry, for the glory of God, for the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and him alone. Not for any of our righteousness or any of our holiness, but for his great name's sake. So we would love for you to call us. I'd like to meet you. I'd like for you to share in our vision in reaching these souls. Uh, you can call the National Area Code is the area code for the country is one plus 903-746-4885. That's my personal phone number. Or you can write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or you can write to us uh, through the, uh, the different websites that we have, sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com or dennisbeard.org 
Again, please download the app, Sealing God's People, and I know it'll be a blessing to you in the proceeding Word of God. Well, until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.